Hey everyone, as we get ready for the weekend and celebrating Father's Day, I have an interview with Marty Thompson talking about how men can use NFP for their own sanctification and how it'll help your own marriage. So come on in the podcast and happy Father's Day to all fathers that are listening. Hello, Catholic Divas. Welcome to Cycles and Sanctity Podcast. I am Mama Jane, wife to Steve for almost 37 years, mother of six wonderful children, fertility awareness instructor, and a Catholic mindset coach. Are you confused about your cycle? Do you want to learn how charting your cycles can give you insight, not only to your health, but your mental and emotional state as well? And most importantly, using this information to draw closer to God and pursue your path to holiness? If you answered yes, then you are in the right place. Go grab your journal and your favorite pen, and let's do this. Welcome back, Catholic Divas, to the Cycles and Sanctity podcast. This is Mama Jane, and I have a fabulous guest today. I'm so excited. Marty Thompson is a resident Catholic mindset coach at Metanoia Catholic. And that's where I met him. He and I have been on many podcasts because we do the Living the Virtues and Your Strengths podcast with Matt Ingold, who is the host of that podcast. And I just love Marty's energy. I love his story. Let me tell you a little bit more about him. Besides being a resident coach, as his coaching, he specializes in helping men overcome personal obstacles, including vice and sin, and so that they can become the virtuous men that they're called to be for their families and for themselves. Marty's been married to his beautiful wife, Diana, for 16 amazing years. They have four boys, ages 12 to 6, who Marty has started homeschooling about three years ago, which is awesome. And Marty's story is that he got sober from addictions to alcohol and drugs in November of 2000. He was then baptized and confirmed in the Catholic Church in April 10th, 2010. So 10 years of of sobriety. And then he came into the church, Easter Vigil. And then shortly after converting to the Catholic Church from unorthodox heathenism, as he says, Marty was able to surrender an addiction to pornography with the help of a confessor, the sacraments, the rosary, and Christopher Weff's battle plan for sexual purity. Marty has experienced many hardships and tragedies throughout his marriage and his faith life, including the death of his first son after birth, three miscarriages, and two of his boys are diagnosed with autism, one of them with severe learning disabilities and an open heart surgery for his youngest son when he was just four months old. But shortly after Marty experienced the greatest challenge and test in his marriage, he spent several months working on himself through personal growth and faith formation, learning how to love his wife unconditionally and convincing her that their marriage was worth saving and becoming a new love that would grow and thrive in the midst of suffering. In 2021, Marty received a degree in Catholic theology. And then also in that same year, he became a certified speaker and coach and trainer through John Maxwell team. And then a year later, in 2022, Marty received his certification through Metamnoia Catholic Coaching. So he's a certified coach through them. And then in January 2023, Marty was hired as a resident coach through Metanoia Catholic Coaching. And that's where he gets to help men particularly, but also women. As a resident coach, he can help all 
If you are involved in the Metanoia Catholic Academy, you have the ability to come and receive coaching once a month. And Marty's one of those resident coaches that you get to be coached by. And it's just fabulous. Welcome, Marty. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast today. I really am so honored having you here. As you know, this podcast is releasing the Thursday before Father's Day, and yeah. I've been talking about natural family planning and the Marital Act. And one of my listeners, he's a man, and he actually said, you know, this is really good information for men as well. So I would like to just kind of ask you just to share your story on how you experienced natural family planning where you were introduced. I'm, I'm thinking that you were probably introduced to natural family planning in your RCIA as you were converting. How has that helped you guys in your marriage? Yeah, thanks, Jane. And it really is an honor to be here with you. And the work that you do is is amazing. So, and, and I think it is good for men to do. We had a conversation just before this about how this could really help men understand and appreciate and love their wives in a fuller way participate right in, in the understanding and, and actually when i was baptized and confirmed april 10th 2004 easter vigil night it is by far still the most vivid powerful day of my life my wedding would, would be right next to that right? and that was beautiful too but uh, yeah unfortunately you know maybe it's because i was single at the time I, I didn't hear anything or learn anything about nfp or natural family planning it wasn't until after I got married. Fortunately, God helped me surrender my addictions, including especially my addiction to pornography before I was engaged with my wife. Beautiful, quick story. As I was going through Christopher West's battle plan for sexual purity, back in, it was probably between 05 and 06. That's when I started to get to know my wife through mutual friends. And I started to have feelings for her, but I was like, man, I don't want to hurt her because my whole mindset was that pornified mindset that was difficult to get away from. But as I was going through that transformation process, one of the aspects is doing a general confession. Like I said, I was starting to get to know Diana. Well, funny story, when I went to do my general confession with my pastor and the spiritual director, there was a flyer for Christopher West to come into town within like the next few weeks to give a talk on sexual purity. So I asked Diana if she would go with me after I did my general confession. It was powerful. It's beautiful. I just felt so much freedom. So I actually had the courage and the confidence to ask her out. I didn't realize I was I was asking her out on our first date to a Christopher West talk at a church. Very safe place to go on a date if you're worried about, you know, self-control and that sort of thing. And it was it was beautiful. It was funny because we got there and he actually separated the men on one side, put the women on the other side. And if you ever listen to Christopher, the way he talks to people, he's very animated and it was a lot of fun. And 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 later that night, we went out to dinner and had a good time. And it's just beautiful how God worked in my life, how he surrendered those things, right, before I got engaged. And then when we got married, we did it right. We did live together, right? We struggled with intimacy, especially as we got closer. I will say that we had to go to confession number of times. So I don't want to sound like a, a righteous guy was perfect, but it wasn't until right after we, we were first married, we experienced a miscarriage. And then a year later, Diana was pregnant with our, our first son and was diagnosed with Potter syndrome right, when she was three months pregnant, which, which means that the baby never developed kidneys and most likely wouldn't live once the baby was born. Right. And, and that, that wound up be the case, right? So he lived throughout the whole pregnancy. And the day after Mother's Day, May, May, May 10th, 2009, she gave birth to Andrew. 
and he died within like 30 minutes, mm, right? Because so without the kidneys, scary. the other organs, like yeah. the lungs and all that grow. Mm-hmm. And so it was bittersweet. We were going at perpetual adoration daily. We had support from clergy and our Catholic community. And I got to hold Andrew in my arms at the hospital mm-hmm. and they cleaned him up nice. We took some pictures. And Bishop of Fort Worth at the time was my spiritual director. Wow. A neat story, but just a beautiful experience. Did the Christian burial. We didn't do a big mass or anything, but after that experience, the miscarriage and then losing the baby, and Diana had already had some health issues that we were trying to figure out. That's when we signed up for a uh, natural family planning class at our parish and went through that class. And we both learned And I'm an extrovert. I'm a sanguine, right? So probably a different experience, like you had mentioned earlier about other guys who, who might be introverted and not want to be around other people while learning that about that, talking about that. I was completely comfortable. And, and thought it was really cool, actually, learning about, I mean, how awesome is God that he created women in such a beautiful way, right? That she could just naturally be fertile sometimes and then not fertile sometimes. And that there's an order to that. Yeah. Right? And so that was my first introduction. This was probably, I guess, in 2009, 2010, after mm-hmm. Andrew had passed away that we went through that class. Beautiful. You said something really important, Marty. You talked about general confession. And I've talked about this in one of my past episodes. I think it's episode three when I talk about confession. So this podcast is unique in that I talk about cycles, but I also talk about sanctity because that's where you and I really bond together and just kind of lock arms. Like we want to get as many people to heaven as possible. And I find that confession is one of those spiritual tools that we just don't use enough of. And especially general confession, like you said, you know, when someone's coming back to the church or maybe has been struggling about. And I know for my own sexual sins and things, I did have to figure out how to confess this and be comfortable and understanding that the mortal, you know, what are mortal sins and things like that. And really general confession, I just can't speak enough of how important that is of the importance. So I just want to go back because one of the things you said, something very important was that you guys, you weren't living together, but you did struggle with purity. And I just gotten to the point in my life, it's a fact of life. We're going to fall. We're going to fall. We have concupiscence. We are attracted to sin, but God also gives us these graces. So did you have Before I ask that question, let me share with you why I personally am interested in hearing about the struggles of pornography. When I was a young instructor, none of this was spoken about to us in our instruction. It was just kind of like, how do you chart and da, 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 da. And my first experience of being a fertility instructor was at a pregnancy center and it was not solely Catholic. And one of my first infertile couples I was advising her like, hey, you guys want to get pregnant and this is your fertile time. And she's like, oh, no, no, we have to plan it. We have to plan it. And I'm like, what? No, 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 just girlfriend. I was like, you know, put on a sexy nightie, put on those candles and let's go to it. Let's make a baby. And she's just like, no, 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 we have to plan it. Well, as I'm, you know, as I'm having this conversation with her, It turns out that her husband was addicted to pornography and masturbation. And what was happening with him was that he actually had to take Viagra. And I remember as a new instructor thinking, oh my goodness, I am so over my head. Where do I go about this? 
how do I minister to people? And I've actually had another friend who she teaches a different method. And that's one of the things that she said, I've actually kind of backed off in my instruction because I'm finding that I don't have the opportunity to instruct. I'm more marriage counseling. And it's one of the purposes that I have intentionally wanting to speak about men in the natural family planning, using natural family planning as a, as a marriage tool for their own sanctity, because we are dealing with, with the sexual sins, right? So my question to you is, even though you went to general confession and you, you did the battle plan for purity, you'd had had some addiction to pornography. How did that was that like kind of a, you know, many times people think, oh, one and done, right? Like I went to confession now, oh. I don't have to deal with it. So I want you to share with us how that battle had gone on, but also how maybe it distorted your own relationship with your beautiful wife. Yeah, really good question. And and for me, it wasn't like a continuous battle with pornography. Unfortunately, I think for a lot of guys, it was replacing the pornography with the bedroom with the wife and justifying it, right? Because it was, you know, I'm married now, right? So how we have sex, even if it, you know, looks like pornography, it's okay because we're married. I mean, right. I've even been in confessionals, right? Where I confessed, you know, lusting after my wife. This is years later, right? Of even, you know, identifying that as a problem where, where priests would say that, well, that's not a sin because you're married, right? And, and, and there is a controversy amongst clergy. Right. You know, and there have been even some recent talks and, and debates by like Matt Fred and just had a debate with Prager and, and Ben Shapiro, more of a conversation right. about, you know, sexual desire and lust and, and all that. So it's great that we're having the conversation. But for me, it, it was, yeah, replacing the one for acting out, right? Not watching pornography, but but behaving in that way having that mindset in the bedroom with my wife, thinking that that was okay. Now, I didn't realize that until years later, like right. I said, when I had a problem in our marriage five years ago, that that was still the case. Like my mm -hmm. mindset around sex was was still pornified. Mm -hmm. right? and, and thank God that we had the problems that we had five years ago after going through the tragedies and the hardships. And the way that I perceived my wife in that way, in a mm -hmm. pornified way, an objective way, Right, create a lot of resentment on both sides. But mm -hmm. I didn't realize how powerful that was until one day after a counseling session, my wife's like, I, I don't think we should be married anymore. And I did for a couple of weeks fall back into that trap of pornography and some other things. So that, mm -hmm. that it's baffling to think that I, I went back to that, right? Because we were, right. you know, on the outside, really good Catholics and right. And uh, so yeah, to answer your question, it was still a struggle. But like I said, I didn't realize because I wasn't looking at porn. Right. I still had that mindset. Mm -hmm. And so let me just ask you another question, because one of the things that I have also run up against is the mindset of, oh, natural family planning makes you abstain. And, and I talk about this, this last week's episode about this mindset, of like, oh, the Catholic church can't tell me what to do in my bedroom. And that just that, that thought of lack, right. Of like, oh, I have to abstain so much. Did you find that it sounds like you were trying to have children and so abstaining really wasn't an issue because you were trying to conceive? Am I am I right or not? Well, actually, because Diana has had some health issues and when she gets pregnant, she's always high risk. Mm -hmm. and, and 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 so even after 
she has the baby, we have to go longer periods of not coming together. And that's when we'd usually for six to nine months after she would have baby or even after the miscarriage. So we've had one baby, our first son died plus three miscarriages before and in between the, the four that we have now, right? And it, so after all eight of those pregnancies, we've had to wait six, six to nine months because of her health and, and some things that she was going through. And that's where NFP really was, was helpful. And even though I struggled with that mindset, and, and, and this is where I think God meets us where we're at, I still, I can look back and see how that helped me to grow in virtue. Mm, tell me a little bit more about that. Cause I've had a number of men share with me that, yeah, I've, I, we've had to abstain for long, like six months or eight months after pregnancy, yeah. whatever. Well, I wasn't and, looking at porn and, and masturbating. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was gaining this self-control and trust me, it wasn't voluntary. Right. right. But I love my faith and my wife and my family, right. More than these unnatural desires, you know, as I was right. going through this and I understood how it, it would be helpful. You know, as the saying went, one of the things we struggle with is sensual pleasure, maybe more than some of the other temperaments in, in a different way. And so even though I still struggle with that fortified mindset in the bedroom with my wife, I found that I was getting better. It's kind of like a tug of war, you know, where I was becoming more aware of the truths about sex and marriage and how to view my wife. It wasn't like this constant mindset. Of, and, and so it was like this gradual tug of war of of surrendering that mindset and developing and, and allowing God to transform my mindset towards my wife, towards God, towards other women. That was a big thing too. It, it really helped me to battle my, my struggles with how I looked at other women. Now we were in Naples, Florida for a long time, you know, they're on the beaches and, mm -hmm. and that was a struggle, right? Going to the right. beach and you got, women, you know, in, in, in bathing suits and and, and it's difficult. So yeah, so so doing NFP really helped me to grow in virtue, even though I struggled, right? Especially in the area of, of self-control. Like I said, no pornography, no masturbation. And and I think even gradually, like I said, you know, just challenging the, the mindset. And now this was pre-coaching and personal growth. I mean, I tell you, I think I had this in my bio on my coaching page. If I would have had Catholic mindset coaching, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, when I got married, wow, I probably would have experienced more freedom sooner. Yeah. Oh, I, I completely, I completely agree. I think many times, you know, because Matt and Aaron are so much younger than I am, I'm thinking, wow, praise God that first of all, praise God that they took the call and that they were willing to make the risk and they saw the poverty in the church. Right. And there's so many of us, we want to serve the church. But I really want to go back to your story about, okay, you were able to have self-control and you were understanding the virtues. How was Diana acquiring her virtues? Of this? Because one of the things that I notice, and I share this whenever I teach a natural family planning class for couples, is that we think that the man is the one that's going to have the struggle with abstaining. And in reality, it is more of the woman when she's in her fertile cycle, like literally her whole body wants to make a baby. And so I saw it at the pregnancy center where a young girl would say, well, I, my boyfriend, and I only had sex once. It's like, yeah, you could say no, 
during the infertile phase. And then all of a sudden, you don't even understand as a woman that your body's entering into that fertile phase. And so your guard gets down and you get, as my husband and I use the words frisky, we get a little frisky, right? Like we're the ones that are going to initiate and we're the ones that are going to get amorous. And we're the ones that are like, have a friend that said the other day, Oh, I wish my husband wouldn't wear his shorts when I'm in my fertile phase because he just walked into the kitchen, right? So the struggle is real for the women too. So oh, yeah. share with me a little bit about if you could. Now, of course, Diana's not here, but how did you see her her virtues grow? Yeah, in a similar way, but different because women even, and my wife, Diana, doesn't mind me sharing this because she shares this in her own testimony. You know, she has had struggles with pornography and, and masturbation and, and fornication, right? Which again, they're having a conversation now where when we talk about pornography, right? I don't know if it's a, it's an, it's a bigger issue now or we're just talking about it more because the idea of women having that same problem is more taboo, right? Than just just man, right? So yeah, in, in, a, in a similar way, but maybe different because she's a woman. And I, and I still don't understand how, you know, you know, we obviously love and receive, receive love differently as men and women, but yeah, she struggled with it too. And so I think in a similar way, NFP helped her as well to grow in that virtue of self-control. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Like, uh, I'm sorry, how did your marriage, because this is the other kind of faulty thought that I get is that, well, if we're not having sex, then our marriage isn't going to grow. How did you use other ways to communicate and to build the bond of marriage without the sexual act, because that is actually marital chastity. And I speak about that. And I don't remember which I think is episode 10. I talk about chastity. Every one of us is called to be chaste. It's an integration of the whole person is the virtue of chastity. And like you said, oh, I was married. So anything goes. And that's one of those faulty thoughts because six to nine months, I mean, some of my people are like, you want me to abstain for seven days? And you're talking six to nine months in the same room. Yeah. For us, the only time we really had to abstain for that length of time was when my husband was deployed. My husband was military. And I've yeah. said that to people. It's like, I don't know if we could, if we had to abstain for a serious reason, which you had. That's great. House, Big part of it. How did you, how did you develop other attributes in your marriage. Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, thinking about it right now, looking back, it kind of makes some of the arguments that we used to get into that, that made no sense. It kind of makes sense now. Cause you know, the, it was the, really like, just a sexual the, frustration. The we're all there and we, we, we were being, trying to be good and, and practicing that. Cause you know, her health was at risk. I mean, we're talking like she could die. Yeah. Right? If she, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. she had a serious had reason. The details, but she had some serious health issues, right. you know, right. Post birth. Mm -hmm. But, but it was really, you know, especially before we started having kids. Right. And, and even when the, the first two were really young, we were very involved in the parish life, the sacraments, we were going to adoration more than a couple of times a week. We were going to mass weekly. We were praying the rosary. We were involved in teen ministry, right? And so it, it wasn't like we were just sitting at home cuddling, trying to, because that, that would not be easy to do. I mean, there were, were times I know where we, we we enjoy watching old movies together. And so, yeah, and then I got into doing things and she got into doing things. You know, I like to go fishing and and, and she likes to, you know, spend time with, with her friends. And so, I mean, as the kids got older, it's gotten 
harder because we can't go out as much. And we were just talking a little bit ago. So I was trying to remember which sort of NFP methods that, that we, we use and how, how it went. We, we're not practicing NFP right now because we're not trying and we're not, not no, trying. No, 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 no. Stop, stop, not. stop. Let me correct you there. You are practicing natural family planning. You are just choosing to allow the Lord to take over. This is one of the other misconceptions okay. is that if I'm not charting and I'm not following the rules that I'm not practicing natural family planning, but anything according to God's will, as long as we're not, again, unitive yeah. and, and procreative are the two solid line and the dotted line. We're not introducing contraceptive of any sort. We're not practicing masturbation or you know whatever on that side then we are practicing natural family planning. It's just a more relaxed. Yeah. And that's, again, I just, the reason why I stop you is that many no, people, it's good. I yeah. have had people tell me like, oh, I don't practice natural family planning. I'm like, actually wow. you are practicing natural yeah. family planning. Well, that's a beautiful concept. It makes sense too, right? I mean, we're doing things naturally. Yes. Yeah. yeah. When and, and so without going into details, it's yeah. almost like, I think we can just naturally, you know, know when, Yes. You know, just trust God. I mean, so, so yeah, no, that's it. I, I love that concept. That's, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It's because I, I hear it on both sides. You know, I hear yeah. the, the anti natural family planning for those who think that they're going to have to abstain all the time and whatever. And then oh, I hear yeah. the, the thought of, oh, natural family planning is a Catholic contraception. Just and thinking, yeah. I hate when I hear that. I, just, I was just reading that recently, you know, Catholic birth control, right? In a peak. Yeah. It's, my theory is that we're going to have one day some saints that practice natural family planning. Um, and actually, Dr. John and Lynn Billings, who I practice the Billings methodology, their cause is open for sainthood, which is pretty cool. But I have a feeling that more couples are going to be acknowledged in that regard because and whether they chart it or not, you know, that's it's just a tool that science and the church have given a couple so that they can practice a little bit more prudent. And like you said, we're open to life. We kind of know, I mean, you guys have been married 16 years and you're what your oldest is 12. So right. you guys are like mid forties, right? right. Yeah. So she's probably, I mean, I'm just guessing I haven't met her yet, but I'm just guessing she's kind of perimenopausal. And so the likelihood, I mean, my doctor would always tell me, girlfriend, you can still get pregnant. I'm like, mm, yeah, I'm not. I know. I know it, you know. So that's that's the beautiful thing about about natural family planning is that we're we're honoring God and it's not a rule that we have to have to follow. It's the attitude. Like you said, it's the attitude, right? Like we're open, we're relaxed, we know each other. You know, just just say the beautiful thing about NFP, learning NFP, not not just the practice of it and, and then the fruits of it, growing in virtue and loving each other unconditionally, right? But just to see more clearly God's amazing handiwork and creation and how he created men and women, right? And especially women, right? If you notice when God creates things, it always gets better. It always gets better. It always gets better. He created woman last, right? And when you, you look at the woman's body and, and how it's ordered to, to give birth and to nurture and to go through these cycles in, in, in such a, I mean, it's, it's mind boggling, but, but in a, in a, in a beautiful way, that's why it's like, awe. like it, it when really you learn is the good news, which is again, which is why I had to, to, had to do this podcast because 
I I feel like we haven't done a a very good job. I mean, the pill came out in 1965. St. Pope Paul VI encyclical Humanae Vitae came out in 68. And here we are in 2023, and still so many people don't understand the beauty and the goodness of this teaching and the benefits to the marriage. And that's really what we all want is that the marriage is a sacrament, and this is our call to holiness. And coming together, like one of the phrases we use in our coaching is from Gaudium Space is, man cannot be a gift himself until he knows himself. And it's just a tool Whether we officially chart or not, I'm sure you have come to understand Diana's body so well. You can probably anticipate when she's about to have her period, and you can anticipate when she's about to ovulate. And you guys move through, I can imagine like this beautiful dance. It's a it's a beautiful dance of coming together. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah. You know, when you first learn how to dance, and I'm not a I should say it. I'm a good dancer when it comes to freestyle dancing when I was a teenager and all that, but like the salsa and the and, and right. the, partnership dancing. Some of those partnership dances, <laughs> terrible, right? But you know, people who do that, right? They have to go through this training and practice and practice and practice, and then they get really good at it. And like you said, it just it, it looks so easy. And I think marriage and NFP and learning about each other, right? It just becomes this natural dance, I think, to where you, you just know each other's movements. I'm, I'm I haven't heard this in a long time, but you know that old saying, like, the longer you stay married, the more you sound alike, the more you... I even catch me and Diana saying some of the same phrases, right, that 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 we we stole from them, right? It's like, I'll say things that she, she's she been saying for years and vice versa. And so even at that deeper level of how God created us, male and female, and I think together, humane vitae is kind of prophetic, right? I mean, wow, did, did Pope Paul VI, St. Pope Paul VI, not have his finger on the post of what was coming? But then how beautiful is God bringing JP2 on the scene after that with his theology of the body to help us understand the beauty of creation, you know, being created. Yes, yes, the complementary as opposed to the competitiveness, which is what the world really teaches us with the whole feminist movement is that we had to compete. We have to be in a a man's society and we have to work like a man and And one of those things, it's just like, wait, let's just stop and appreciate who we are and get back to who we are based on our body. And that's one of those things that I'm always teaching, especially I had a conversation with Jessica Castillo, who who does a program called The Thriving Catholic. And she she really helps women who want to be high performers and things about using as an entrepreneur, if we understand our cycle then we can actually change our calendar of activity so that, you know, when we're in our our ovulation period of our cycle, that's our creative side. So what are we creating? We don't have to create a baby. We can create other things. We can create content. We can create music. We can paint the house. We can knit. We can do, I happen to create in, in the kitchen. So I do lots of baking and we can acquire that or we can create new ministries in the church or creating goddaughters and, and godsons. I mean, you know, that's that's that whole fagundity, right, of beauty. And so, yeah, I, I just find it just so, so, so fascinating. You know, one of the things that you mentioned a number of times that I want to get back to is 
you mentioned that during your time that you had to abstain, and that was a heroic act of abstinence. That was a heroic moment of chastity because you understood the seriousness of Diana's health situation. You both were committed. You both made that choice, but sometimes it's not always easy. But you said something very important that I use as a tool and bring this back to our, our listeners at Cycles and Sanctity is adoration. Could you share with us a little bit, how did that help you and Diana in those moments of, of abstinence? I mean, that was a long time of abstinence. And like I said, living together, I mean, I don't know if my husband and I would have been able to, we had to abstain for a long time because he's in the military. We've, you know, two years, 18 months, I didn't see him, but living together and seeing each other and sharing the same bed, that's a whole different ball of wax. And the same way with, with my history, it's like, praise to God. And our, our pastor recently at one of our men's groups did a talk on adoration. And he reminded us that adoration is an extension of the mass, right? It's not something that's separate. Right. right? Which makes sense, right? Where do we get Jesus, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the host? Right. When we adore him, it's from the mass. It's, right. That's where it's uh, that process, that beautiful mystery of transubstantiation, right, is, is done. Is at the mass. And so I remember she was about two to three months pregnant when we noticed there was a problem because our, our OBGYN, who's very, very pro-life Catholic here in the DFW area, if I said his name, you know, people would probably know him, was really good. But he had to send us to a specialist, right, because he didn't see the ambiotic fluid around mm -hmm. the baby. So he sent us to a specialist who did one of those sonograms where he can see more. And he confirmed the Potter syndrome that the baby would mm -hmm. not develop kidneys mm -hmm. at three months, right? And he was not, you know, pro-life or Catholic. Mm -hmm. his, his suggestion was, would you like to terminate pregnancy? Right. Right. And, uh, you know, fortunately, you know, Diane and I, you know, are both really strong in our faith. You know, even when it comes to suffering, we, we both, even before that, uh, have, have experienced suffering individually in our personal life and then coming together, our first miscarriage. And so we didn't have to really think, I don't think we hesitated to say no to that. And it wasn't like me, the patriarch, husband, forcing a wife to do something she didn't want to do. We were on the same page. And even if I would have said, yeah, terminate pregnancy, which I wouldn't have, I'm pretty sure Diana would have said, heck no. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so we trusted God, but we knew that looking back, we couldn't have done it without God's grace. And, and adoration was huge for us. So we belong to a parish here in the BFW area that, that has perpetual adoration, an adoration chapel that's open 24-7. You can go anytime. I remember going in the middle of the night. I would sign up for an hour at like 11 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning. We mm -hmm. were doing that three, four, sometimes five days a week. Wow. Going together during the day. Mm -hmm. um, when I get home from work and on the weekends, and then, like I said, overnights, and and it was just powerful, you know. Whether there's a correlation between having that kind of faith in God and and God puts people in your life, all of a sudden people started showing up in our life in, in our community. But also, we we actually had priests from Nigeria, holy holy priests from Nigeria, who were calling us and encouraging us and saying, "Marty, when you go to adoration next time, I want you to reflect on this passage." Mm, and I remember one, so one of them was, was you know, passage, you know, knock and, and, and the door will be and, open to you, ask and, and you will be open to you. Mm -hmm. and, and he also encouraged me to pray this prayer, pray for a miracle, but always end your prayers with thy will be done. Mm, beautiful. And, and so my way of praying it was God, whatever your will is, help us to endure, right? Because mm -hmm. we knew that the baby short of a miracle, mm -hmm. like new kidneys out of nowhere, that he wasn't going to make it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, going to ad adoration frequently like that just gave us the strength. I, I can look back and see how it, it strengthened our relationship with God, with each other, right? And with our community, 
right? Mm -hmm. People were coming to to us, bringing us hot meals. Mm -hmm. and, and I just, you know, I can't prove it, but I want to say that, that our faith and showing up to spend time with Jesus, right, just allowed for more grace, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's so important. I'm really, I'm really happy that you shared about that, about the community as well, because so many times we think that Christianity is a solo sport and Catholicism always mentioned we're we're not even even our lord suffering and carrying his cross was not by himself he he had simon of cyrene he had veronica he had our blessed mother he had john the evangelist walking alongside him i mean even the soldier who who pierced his side was converted and acknowledged that he was the son of god so that whole aspect of community is so important and i think that's the other thing that for me as an instructor i have and we've been married almost 37 years we were introduced to nfp pretty early I find that the community is different. There's a different mindset. There's a different way of encountering one another. There's a different way of respecting one another. When you have Catholics that are practicing natural family planning, as opposed to the Catholics who are not practicing natural family planning. And I even remember having a conversation with a scout leader one time. He was Catholic and, and he was like, yeah, well, you know, you know, 98% of Catholics actually practice contraception. And I'm like you're missing the point just because 98% are not living the truth doesn't mean the truth isn't there and you haven't heard and it was it was just an interesting conversation we had this is way mm -hmm. before i was an instructor and the next day i saw him at another event he said you really should go for city council or politician you you really changed my perspective of that. I'm like, no, 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 that's not my, that's not where I'm going. Guys. And that, that number doesn't mean 98% of Catholics at the same time were practicing contraception. It just means when they did that study that 98% of Catholics admitted that sometime in their life. Right. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Because I mean, we, I mean, and I have shared on this podcast that we practice contraception. I wasn't taught. And it's one of those reasons why I think it's so important. And even yourself, you said your story that when you got married, you weren't presented that even in your RCIA while you were single, you, it may have been presented, but it wasn't something that might've been important to you at the time because you were single and you weren't dating. So it, you didn't think it was like a tool that I needed to know. But it wasn't until you'd been married that you were presented with the class. And I just feel like if we could stand on the rooftop and just proclaim the goodness of natural family planning and the goodness, the fruit of it from our marriages. And yes, there is difficulty, but so is the cross, right? That yeah, redemptive because, suffering, you right, said. And just because we struggled with that sin doesn't mean that we can't have a conversion and then share the truth with other people, especially younger people. I had a man, I'm sure he had good intentions, who's been married a long time in the church. And there were some questions that came up after our men's group about preparing people for marriage and how cohabitation is a big issue. And they're still allowing people to get married, even though, and so what's the church going to do about this? So I had a man, you know, and I asked, sort of a further question about what are we doing? And it kind of, somebody was like, all right, let's, you know, it's one of those conversations, unfortunately, people don't want to have. Right. Well, I had a man come up to me afterwards and he goes, you know what? We we cohabitated. We got married in a church and we've been married 57 years. So we should just leave people alone. And I'm like, no, I mean, and I asked him, I said, well, did you go to confession? I mean, what were the consequences? Because I know for me and my wife, the consequences were, are, Really to communicate in a healthy way on different things, but I think we should still, even though we've struggled with sin, right, and, and lived outside of the truth, 
once we discover the truth and, and we become transformed by it, it, it just makes sense that we want to share with other people, not in a judgmental way, but in a very compassionate way. Just like if you listen to Jane's last episode that, that's up now, episode 10, right? I thought it was beautiful. You shared your testimony, right? You, in a bold, courageous way, shared the truth about, hey, if you're struggling with this, this is the truth. And I'm not sharing. You're like, don't stop listening, right? And then your compassion, right? And, and I think that's that's what's needed, right? Two, two scripture encounters come up for me while you're saying that is our Lord with the woman that was literally caught in adultery. Like, and I tell people this, like, listen, did you read that sentence? She was caught in adultery. Like they pulled her out of the bed, you know, <laughs> like they were doing it. Like, excuse me, French, but you know. No, and it was and probably then, one of the guys that was dragging her to Jesus that was with her. Exactly, exactly. And then the other one was the woman at the well. You've had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. But our Lord spoke the truth without judgment and condemnation. And it's one of those things that I personally have been meditating on of the gospel of John, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that the world might be saved through him, that the son of God did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And that's where that little, that voice that we get trained as, as Catholic coaches, we talk about what is the voice? What is the tone of the thought that you have received? Is it a tone of condemnation or is it a tone of conviction? Because our Lord never condemns. He only convicts. He speaks the truth in a loving manner and the doors always open. There's repentance and conversion is what his desire is, is the most. He desires us to have a relationship and a full integrated whole relationship which is the marriage. I mean, I can imagine also the delight that he had of the first miracle. It's like just so cool that like of all the places that he chose to have his perform his first miracle was at a wedding. Like how glorious is that? Marriage is just so good. And I know that your time is valuable and I know you have something else. I would love to just have you tell us a little bit more about your own program. I know you're starting something for the men. Share a little bit about that and how men can find you and coach with you, particularly if they're having these sexual sins or, or any other issues and they want to become truly the men of God. Absolutely. And if I may real quick on that last subject of marriage, I'm reading a book called Cedia. And it's discontent. And I forget the author's name. Very Catholic book. Sin, um, so, the Sin of Noonday or something? The Noonday Devil? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Sin of Noonday that the monks yeah, yeah, wrote, wrote about. It's pronounced Achadia in Latin, Acedia in English, right? But, but in, And it's a summer program with Exodus 90 that I'm, I'm doing with a group of guys. But I love in the very beginning of it, it sets the stage for understanding God and men and women and the Trinity. And, and, and this is very Catholic, right? This is where we Catholics have the fullness of truth. The best way to understand and to see ourselves as the image and likeness of God, who's a communion of persons loving each other that produces love, right, is the family. A man loving the woman and the woman loving the man. And that love is so great that there's another person involved, the child, right? And it's the family. When we love each other in truth, that's how I think we can better understand who God is as a trinity, mm, as a communion so of persons. Right? Oh, wow, Marty, that's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, so I, I just wanted to share that. That's yeah. something I've been just diving more into. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just so, so beautiful. Yeah, so, so, so I'm on a mission to help other men who are struggling, and I think we just live in an, uh, 
we live in a time where even in the church, right, there, there's confusion, there's there's struggle. And so I really felt called by God and just this desire to help men overcome these personal obstacles. A very common one is the pornography, the sex, the lust, but also their addiction, how all drugs work, sports. I mean, some guys know more about their sure. favorite sports team than they do about what's going on in their kids' lives, right? And their and their wives. Right. Right? So I help men basically overcome personal obstacles, including vice and sin, and help them become men of virtue for God and their families. And so I have sort of a process, a blueprint, right? If you go on my coaching page, which you can find on metanoiacatholic.com, go to the coaching section, one-on-one coaching, meet the coaches, and you click on my page. You'll see my bio and info and what I do. And there's also a freebie on there about becoming a man of virtue and overcoming these obstacles. And I have developed a blueprint, seven habits, seven ways to, to become a more virtuous man. And, and so, and that's what I do. So I work with guys individually one-on-one, but also in group settings. So right now I'm hosting a virtual boot camp with a group of men, basically equipping them with these ways and these habits. And it's really threefold. Right. There's seven ways, but it's really threefold. Deeper self-awareness, identify your, your motivations, your strengths, your weaknesses, and even those triggers that lead to vice and sin. Right. When we can identify those things, then we can see them as they are and then grow in virtue, right? To overcome those deficiencies, those vices, right? For me, it's temperance, self-control. Uh, and and then and then self-mastery. Right, learning how to challenge and, and manage your thoughts and beliefs about yourself, God, and others, including your wife. Like I said, I had a fortified mindset, even towards my wife. So learning how to challenge those thoughts, and and then the third, that third aspect is become a self gift. Love your wife the way that Ephesians five. Right, when we get past, and, and I love you explained beautifully what submission means. You know, wives submit to your husbands, right? And husbands like to focus on that, right? But when you understand it correctly, like you explained it in your last episode, which I encourage men, women, get your men to, to listen to that. It's such a beautiful understanding of what the scripture is talking about. But then also, if you keep reading, it says, men, love your wives the way Christ loved the church. He totally gave himself to the church. He gave every drop of blood and sweat in his entire life, right? And we can't do that if we don't know ourselves. And if we don't have some self-mastery, mm-hmm. growth in virtue, the virtues that we can acquire. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, but also those theological virtues of faith, hope, and love that we, we can receive through the sacraments. Mm, so right? good. And so uh, I'm getting ready to hopefully host a group at my parish. I'm waiting for the approval of our pastor. I, I live in St. Louis, Van Seton, and Keller, Texas. I live near there. That's my I parish. And so I'm, I'm hoping to do a group with men, taking them through this process. Hopefully, we'll do another virtual boot camp in the fall. So if any guys are interested, if ladies, if you have any husbands, brothers, uncles, sons, you know, that are 18 and older that you think would be open to doing something like that, go on my coaching page. I have a freebie, like I said, with that blueprint. I actually have a recorded webinar that I did with a group of men, kind of an introduction to my my virtual boot camp, where I share my testimony and and, and then also, you know, go through the temperaments and how to identify your your motivations, your strengths, your weaknesses, and those things that make triggers that can lead to. That's so beautiful. We're going to include your link in the show notes, Marty, so that people can just click it and find you. 
Thank you so much for what you're doing for the men, really building the kingdom. My son, I don't know if I told you this, just a little fun fact, but my youngest son graduated and he'll be attending University of North Texas. And I have a, another son that's up in Denton. So you guys are kind of my backyard. I'll have to yeah. come out and visit you all when we come there. And, and that would everything. be awesome. Oh, please. But seriously, thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your fiat to God and understanding the poverty that is here in the church of men sharpening men and just being the witness with your wife. Tell your wife, thank you so much. Beautiful marriage, beautiful boys. I love watching you on social media, but so um, yeah, real quickly, one of the things that I like to do is as we close, I always have to give St. Paul just a little fun fact. Every year, I like to ask a certain saint to be my patron that year, and St. Paul is my patron. And so I just love this blessing and the, from Thessalonians. So we're going to just kind of close out with this. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And please pass this podcast, this episode to any men, grandfathers, fathers, brothers, sons, anyone, any male, understanding, wanting, even priests. If you need this as a resource, I really want to exhort you to use this as a resource for yourself. If you don't know how to share something, you know, refer somebody to, to this, this episode and to also to Marty. So we're going to close in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You have a great day. God bless you. Happy Father's Day. Thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of the podcast. Two things I want to remind you. I do teach a monthly online class for NFP. If you're getting ready to get married or if you want to get off contraception and learn NFP, I'd be more than happy to teach you. You can go and see the link down below. And then also for my older Catholic divas, I am offering a special free workshop called Uniquely Beautifully Older You, and that will be on Monday the 26th of June and you can also click the link and get registered. Have a great day.